0: Crypto Land. My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Crypto podcast. This is season two and we are episode 11. Well, thanks for joining me, everybody. I am getting back from the MIT Bitcoin Expo 2019. This was my first Bitcoin conference that I've attended and I got to say it definitely exceeded... um, didn't just meet, but exceeded all of my expectations. As a Bitcoiner, I mean, it was really amazing to meet uh, people that I've been following for well over a year. So it was really, really cool to get to meet people um, like, uh, you know, Pierre Rochard and uh, Justin Moon. And it was great to watch presentations with people like uh, Christian Decker, you know just talk about lightning so i mean it was it was a whole lot of everything i mean there was talks about vulnerabilities uh, there was talks you know obviously about lightning development and the history of lightning and um there, there was uh, obviously you know some conversations about other cryptocurrencies you know like zcash um but i i actually i, I really just attended the uh the Bitcoin talks. Um, I got to meet a gentleman that works for uh, Gotenna, Richard Myers, who's really, really nice guy and had an awesome conversation with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was really, really cool. And the people there were really great. The venue was fantastic. Um, it was very well organized. And yeah, I mean I I'd, yeah, you know there was a couple of shows that let's say started a little bit late or I should say presentations that started a bit late, but I mean, you know what, off by like 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops, which is really not that bad. Anyways, um, yeah, and obviously the buzz around the place was just that it was really, you know, it was it was well done. Okay. So here's what I got. I've got David I've got a presentation from David Molner um, that he did on Wasabi Wallet. I've got a, let's see here, I've got a talk with its blockchain attack vectors and ecosystem security. That's with uh, Corey Fields, uh, Carl Dong, and uh, Sharon Goldberg is uh, actually moderating it. Um, There is also uh, another talk, which is Lightning Implementations, a Scaling Story. And the panelists on that are Fabrice Druin, Christian Decker, and Tajay uh, Drija which I hope I pronounced everybody's names correctly. And then I've got uh, the interview with uh, Billy Garrison, who's a person that I met in the Bitcoin reading group who uh, has begun to write some code for, uh, you know, beginning to create uh, lightning applications. So he was, uh, you know, he's somebody that I've wanted to meet for a while since I started talking with him because we immediately had a rapport. And it was really cool to catch up and do an interview with him. And I also have an interview with uh, Justin Moon. So, Okay. So i've got essentially these five different things which add up to like something like three hours of audio or which i'm just not going to stick into one podcast so that's going to be annoying so what i'm going to do is is that we're going to start off in this podcast um we're going to start off with the wasabi wallet discussion or the wasabi wallet presentation uh with david Mulner, and that's what we're going to have on this so i do want to apologize though in advance because of course i was recording this audio from the you know you know, from the seats, and this is probably the, this is definitely the first time that uh, I've ever done something like this, so I'm definitely going to do my best to clean up the audio, um, and I, I hope that it's, uh, anyways, I, I hope that it's informative and, uh, and interesting. So, without further ado, the, uh, the first, the, the first part of my, uh, of the MIT, uh, Bitcoin Expo series is the uh, Wasabi Wallet presentation with uh, David Molnar.
1: The privacy and security point of view. It's obvious that you have exposed your identity to the cashier. In an online environment, it's pretty the same because of the Know Your customer policy, as known as KYC policy. You also have to identify yourself. So the transaction is connected to your personal identity. Imagine the following situation. Every time you go into a grocery shop and buy something, your total balance is displayed to the cashier. Well, that's not only an uncomfortable feeling, but it's also dangerous. From the input of the transaction, she they, they can trace uh, your past transaction, from the change output of the transaction, she might trace down your future transactions. So if you are using your Bitcoin in the same way you are using your credit card, this might can happen. To create that transaction, you need a wallet. Light wallets and hot wallets are directly tied, many of them directly tied to a third party server. So every action you take are forwarded to them. If they decide they can easily spy for you. Also, many of these wallets behold the keys. So, I mean the private keys. So, you don't have it. But uh, it's also, because it's an uncustodial wallet, the, your private keys is stored in a wallet file on your computer in an encrypted format. Last time and that was the last time when I used my Coinbase wallet, I was required to upload a photo of my passport until that I was locked out from my wallet. So that's why it's important. If you have the keys, it's your bitcoin. If you don't have the keys, it's not your bitcoin. They can easily hook you, you out in any time. The next feature of possibly Wallet is coin control. Many wallets are only displaying your total UTXO, but in reality it is fragmented into coins. With the coin control feature you can see these coins and select which coin will take part in a particular transaction. So for example in this way you can avoid to pay with your salary for that coffee uh, in Wasabi there is also an advanced labeling system, with every transaction you make, you can add a small label so at the end every coin will have a history of their path. To propagate the transaction, this wallet needs to be connected to the network. Network is a dangerous place. There is no light wallet which would not fail in the privacy point of view against network analysis. So every light wallet is vulnerable against network analysis. Many of these wallets are just querying web API. So for example, to establish your full UTxO, your address is queried from the same source in the same time and just connected together. There are super nodes in the network which are collecting metadata, metadata, about the source of any, any traffic. So for example, your IP address is stored or locked. Okay, how can we solve this? Well, one option is to run a full node, which is my recommendation, but it's not possible because it's not possible in most of the cases because it's very resource intense.
0: Another solution is a new proposal, BIP158,
1: which is currently in the process of finalization, apparently in discussion, where instead of querying addresses, you are querying blocks. From the blocks it is very hard to determine which transaction are you interested in. That sounds good, but how do we know on client side which block is required to know the transaction? Well, the solution is that you have a constant filters. You have a constant set of filters on client side. From that, you can determine which block is required to you. Because this feature is not yet implemented in Bitcoin Core, we have to implement it our own backend, so that's how Wasabi is, gets his, uh, its filters from, from our own backend. Bitcoin often described as an anonymous cryptocurrency, but that's not true. Bitcoin is pseudonymous. The distinction is crucial. Under a cryptographic pseudonym, your behavior can still be checked. We covered many topics here, many issues, but one more, maybe the most trivial, is remained that the transaction chain is still there, it's visible and it's traceable. So what can we do about it? Let's try mixing, for example. The trivial solution is when you try to generate, let's say, thousands of transactions on your own between inputs and outputs, but to be honest, it's not really good because it's uh, not so private. For example, if coins from the same wallet, if you generate uh, thousand, this lot of transactions from the same wallet, The begin and the end transaction could be (coughs) determined by running a breadth 1st search on the transaction graph, and that's it. Also, it can be very expensive to generate a lot of transactions. So, you have to have more users to guarantee the privacy. In the past, centralized mixers provide a way to obfuscate the ledger. You send them the coin, they will send back the mixed coin for you. If they will. For example, Bitcoin for worked for years, without an issue, had a good feedback, but after a while it became a selective scam. If you send them the money, it mixes. If you send a larger amount, it will take it. So there is two problems with this. First, they can store your money. The second, if they are using some logging they can easily de later. One solution for this is to generate a coin join transaction. The point is that from the outputs it is very hard to decide which input belongs to. So for the first loop it's it's hard but if we look at closer, we can make some assumptions. Because of the input sum is equal with the output sum, we can make some amount amount analysis and start the game, if you know Sudoku, start the coin joint Sudoku. So imagine that this transaction is written in the format of a Sudoku. The inputs are the, row, the rows, the outputs are the columns, and you have to solve this Sudoku. So for example, Alice's output must be that output, because she has only one BTC, she cannot have more at the end of the transaction, so that's Alice's. With the same logic we can continue de anonymizing the user, and at the end we manage to de anonymize all of the users. So it's also called amount analysis or subset sum analysis. So this how to make a mathematically provable anonymity? Well the solution is to use equal outputs regarding the amount, like this. So we set up a fixed denomination, for example, long BTC, and we generate four equal outputs in that way. Amount analysis won't work, so from that four equal outputs, you cannot say which inputs belongs to. You have a quarter probability to tell that. So that's we are saying, the anonymity set is four for that coil. Of course, in reality, not every user will come with the exact amount of denomination, so there will be some change at the end there, but its anonymity set is 1, so it's not private coins, but uh, the user can decide to continue coin join their coins until the whole amount is mixed. Of course they can remix the one with anonymity set 4 to increase that. Okay, so we got a good Coin join transaction, which is private. But how can we, how can we const- construct this transaction? Wasabi has the following solution. We have a backend, we are running a software, backend software there, let's say coordinator. And instead of taking the coins from the user, we are just collecting some information to construct that final coin-join transaction, which you saw before. And at the end, the user, I mean the Wasabi Wallet, so the users can verify that, that transaction, and if it is constructed good, they can sign it. So there is no way somebody can steal your money, even the coordinator cannot do neither So, the first step is to collect enough users to do this. For example, here is Alice. She selects one of her coins which she would like to mix. With the coin control feature, this can be done easily. She also generates two outputs one output for uh, for the fixed denomination, for the mixed coin, and one output for the change address, Uh, yes, for the change. Okay, that's good. But now if Alice sends uh, this information to the coordinator, then it can easily de-anonymize her later because input and the mixed output send with the same package. So to solve this, we are using Snor signatures. We heard a lot about that before. So in that way, we blind the output address. It's good because in that way, the coordinator can sign this output without knowing it, without knowing the address. So the coordinator signs this blinded output and sends back the signature for us, for Alice. And on client side, it is unblinded. So as a result, we will have a signature for, for she's output, but the coordinator don't know the output address, so it's impossible to de-anonymize the user, even for us, even for Wasabi, it's impossible to do, because the output was sent blinded. Okay, on the right side you can see the construction of the coin joint transaction. We have the inputs, we have the change outputs. So we continue, we have to wait enough users. Currently, Wasabi is working with anonymity set about 50, so we have to wait for 50 users to register. After we got enough users, we move to the next phase. This input registration can take time, uh, 2 minutes, 2 hours, from minutes to hours, so it it depends on user activity, of course. After this, we confirm if the users are still there, and if we got enough users, we move to the next phase, Output (coughs) Registration. So we need the equal outputs there, which is missing currently, to (coughs) construct the coin joint transaction. Okay, the client send, sends the output, but before moving uh, forward, we have to stop for a while here. Wasabi is using the internet to connect to the coordinator. As I internet is also a dangerous place, as I mentioned before. Wasabi, no, I didn't. Wasabi using Tor anonymity network. Well, basically Tor doing two things. The first is to, to hide the source of the traffic. The second is to encrypt, to give end-to-end encryption to the data. So in this way, we are protected against the internet. I mean against, for example, a man in the middle attack or using a public Wi-Fi or so on. So we are protected against these kind of dangers. But there is another, we are not protected against our our coordinator. So remember, we sent our input at the input registration. So now if we are sending our unblinded output address here on the same channel, the coordinator will know which input corresponds to which mixed output and that way we could de-anonymize you. That's not good. So to solve this we are using another Tor identity, another Tor channel to send the unblinded output and to verify that we are not just a random guy who are trying to send fake outputs to the coordinator, we also add the output signature there so that way the coordinator can verify if the output is valid so it was registered in the input registration well the next phase is to wait enough outputs so if you look on the right we are almost done what is missing? the input signatures so the next part is to deliver this unsigned transaction to every client so on client side it verifies the transaction if it is good for example my input is there my output is there and the amounts are ok my change output is there the amounts are ok if it is good then the client sends back their input signature here it is <coughs> So, we have everything and everything to to broadcast the transaction, so the coordinator broadcasts it to the nodes. What happens if something is smelly, so the transaction is is not good, maybe my my output is missing, or the coordinator would like to do something to store someone's money? Well, in that case, the client could decide, I'm not signing this transaction. So what happens is not that she is losing her money, but only to disrupt one coin join around and to go on and start again. So there is a lot of coin join rounds, and these four phases go through. If something happening, then it restarts. Of course, in the reality, this uh, procedure is more complex. We have to add a lot of dose protection and hashes during, but uh, basically that's the idea. So Wasabi is not only protecting your privacy against others, but protecting it against us, against the Wasabi team. So, the only one you have to trust in is yourself. So that's how it is trustless. That's it. We If anyone has a question, please come. here.
0: Hi. Uh, thank you for the great presentation. I was wondering um, with Wasabi Wallet, uh, would you say that
1: since it's so focused on privacy, yes. is there any need for other privacy-focused coins for transactions like Monero? Uh, Wasabi Wallet is a Bitcoin uh, wallet, so you can use only Bitcoin in it. Yeah, I don't know if this was question. But...
0: I'm sorry, what I meant to say was, are there any benefits to only using the Wasabi wallet for Bitcoin transactions or would you, if you wanted to have a private
1: transaction, would you also use a different coin that's focused on privacy in the coin itself? Mm -hmm. Okay, we have chosen Bitcoin because it's the most common uh, way, way to to pay with the cryptocurrency and there were, no, not, there were no really private solutions to do this, even, you saw, even a balance request can be dangerous with, with light wallets, so, so that was the goal, to provide something very private uh, wallet in the world of Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well,
0: thank you. Well,
1: Thank you,
0: David. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. So that was David Mulner from the Wasabi Wallet team. And he was just doing an overview of how Wasabi Wallet works and how to use Coinjoin. Um, yeah, so Obviously, uh, you know there was that person that was sitting near me that wouldn't stop coughing, so that was not so fun. I really did my best to edit it out. I hope that you know you guys found it informative and fun. Um, so yeah, the uh, the next the next re, uh, episode that we're going to have is actually going to be the uh, the interview with Billy Garrison so stay tuned for that that should be coming out. that should be following uh you know let's say three or four days after this one releases but I also wanted to mention at the beginning of the episode I mentioned you know that I obviously got to meet people like uh, Pierre and Justin but I also met as well I met uh Dan Held and I also met uh Peter McCormick and I also met uh Brandon Quittum so for those who don't know, uh, Dan Held um, has a, a Bitcoin company that uh, that he does run. But uh, what I what I know him for is the four-part article planting Bitcoin. So that was really cool to be able to meet him and you know let him know that you know how much of an impact his 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 articles had on me. You know because I I found that it was incredible the way that he explained things, and um, yeah, he was a super cool guy to meet, and uh, he actually. Uh, he said it would be cool if I, uh, if I interviewed him on the podcast. So eventually, I'm hopefully going to get Dan on this podcast. Um, I also mentioned Brandon, which I had uh, interviewed uh, about two episodes ago, who did um, the, uh, the amazing write-ups on uh, essentially, he's the Bitcoin mushroom man. So he did the, uh, the write-ups on Mycelium and uh, you know, the, uh, the comparison between Mycelium and, um, and Bitcoin. Uh, he's also writing the third part of that series. And Peter McCormick, who, I mean, for anybody that has, you know, been living under a crypto rock, uh, Peter is probably one of, you know, the biggest uh, podcasters out there in the space. And I, I would say for, for me anyways, I, I'd say he's, you know, he's become he is a Bitcoin maximalist today and he's become one. And I've actually from listening to him from the from his first episode, you know, you can hear that that transition and you know the more and more you know he went down that rabbit hole the you know the more the more Bitcoin maximalist he became so but anyways that's my personal take and yeah he was also super cool to meet very like easy to talk to and the uh, yeah, he, uh, he also agreed to, because uh, I, I kind of want to interview him, you know, the podcaster, the, the you know, the junior podcaster interviewing the, uh, you know, the master podcaster. So that'd be cool. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll give me some pointers. So anyways, look, don't want to drag it out too long. If you guys want to reach me, I'm uh, on ProtonMail. It's fun with Crypto at protonmail.com. If you want to reach me on Twitter or Telegram, I am at coinicarus. So be reckless. Have fun, and I'll catch you all next time.